Hey there. Welcome to Totally Fine, Navigating Life with Love. Today I am joined by Jen Wirt. Jen is a parenting coach based in Boulder, Colorado. She works with families from all over the place with children between the ages of 3 and 11. Now, before you think, oh my gosh, I don't have kids, this isn't for me. Take a pause real quick. The parent-child relationship is just one of many relationships that most of us have in our lives, although not all of us go on to become parents. I use my experience as a mom as an example for a lot of introspection and a lot of personal development work that that I embarked on since becoming a parent. Um, I'm adamant that this is not like a path to enlightenment that I believe everyone needs to embark on. For me, this is the catalyst that I fully understand I needed to experience in order to do the kind of self-work that I have been doing for the past several years. I say that because many of the topics that Jen and I get into today are not isolated to the parent-child relationship. At the core of Jen's philosophy that she brings to the families that she works with is the tremendous importance of self-reflection as the vehicle through which we enter relationships through compassion and presence. While much of what we talk about is certainly through the lens of parents raising children, there's so much that I think can be applied to a variety of relationships. I know that I certainly apply a lot of um, these philosophies to other relationships in my life. Jen shares with us her background and what led her to the current work that she does. She has a master's in education, hails from experience on both um, the private and the nonprofit realms. And I've personally experienced such great pleasure and really inspiration in the conversations that I've had with her as I think about my parenting journey and then also how I approach relationships in my life. My hope is that by the end of this conversation, you start to feel a sense of empowerment, compassion, permission. None of us are flawless, especially when it comes to our relationships. It's an ongoing craft. It's a lifelong journey. It is how we show up to various relationships in our lives and how we move through the process of repairing, whether it's a parent snapping at our children or resolving conflict among siblings. And along that theme, and I apologize for the peanut gallery. I am home with my children today. They will not be quiet. So that is who you're hearing in the background. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and we're going to get right into it. Self-compassion, authentic connection to others, and more importantly, yourself. Identifying your life calling and forging your own course in this life. Welcome to the Totally Fine Podcast. We talk growth, change, and overcoming challenges in both our personal and professional lives. Most importantly, we talk about moving through these processes with grace, authenticity, and maximum compassion toward ourselves. Because at the end of the day, we are all going to be totally fine. Jen, welcome to Totally Fine. It is such a joy to have you here. Thanks for having me, Christina. I know it's serendipitous when we connected through Hey Mama, because I just, um, as soon as I started digging into the work that you do and just the messages that you share with communities about parenting, the challenges, the beauty, the struggle. It's just like knowing where I am today with my family and my children. I just, I was just glued to your messaging. So I was really grateful to have our conversation last week and to be able to now amplify it and just go a little deeper. So thank you. Thank you for making the time. I'm glad to be here. I, so as I just mentioned to you before we jumped on, 
I watched your mastermind that, um, in which you talked about how to work with deep feeling kids. And I feel I'd be shocked if every family didn't have one or just a, a, some semblance of that. And what I loved, because I've, I've read about you, you share your mission and your, your philosophy beautifully on your website. But in that mastermind, you shared a bit about your story and how you got, how you started, how and why you started to do this work. And I would love if you're comfortable just kind of starting with that because it just sets such a beautiful framework and foundation for what you're passing on to families and how you're equipping families to parent in the way that feels more most authentic to them. So I don't know if I'd love to start there. Like, how do we get to Jen Wirt, the parent coach? Yeah, it's been a journey. Um I'll go way back just briefly and share that I grew up in a big family, six, six kids, um, but a big, very judgy family. And I felt almost like an orphan. I felt mm. completely alone, which is a funny thing to say. It's not funny. It was sad, but true. Um, and unusual, I think, right? There were a lot of people around, but I felt like I was on my own. I had an ambiguous attachment with my own mother. Um, and nobody in my family understood me. I mean, that was just uh, a fact that I had to grow up trying to understand, right? I never felt heard or seen. I would say things and family members would say, why do you, why do you talk like that? Or why do you ask questions like that? No one, no one wants to think about that. Literally, they would say these things to mm. me growing up. And to boot, I was a highly, highly sensitive child. I'm a highly sensitive adult. And when you're highly sensitive, you are for life. I know now the gift that that is um, and what that brings to me, but I did not know when I was little. Um, so when I set off into the world in my late teens on my own, I was determined to figure out what family really meant. I was, I felt really confused and again, pretty, pretty alone. Um, so I turned into a sort of a sociologist and I, um, traveled and filled hundreds of journals with my observations of other families and other parents and my questions filled them. They're still in my garage to this day. Wow. I lived in many different countries. I lived abroad, um, finished my BA in international studies, and I did my graduate work in education here in Colorado. I taught um, elementary school for a long time. In all my years of teaching, to me, it was really about connection first and foremost. I mean, that's that emo social and emotional piece to me was what I um, focused on in my classroom every year, every time. I have students who are still in touch with me today um, who are in their late 20s, their early 30s. Um, some of their parents are also still in touch with me. Um, when I left the classroom, I then opened a for-profit business focused on women expressing themselves authentically. I was really passionate about my own learning how to do this and women supporting with all women in doing this in their lives. 
um, I ran a few different nonprofits to do with education and empowering young families. Then I became a birth doula, attended over a hundred births, preparing couples to bring a baby home. Right. And through it all, I worked from the very same place, connection, values, communication, self-reflection, and, um, basically well-being, emotional health. I took that awareness into my body. I have over 30 years of an Iyengar yoga practice, and I'm Indian certified as an instructor. This, of course, deepened my study of meditation and breathwork, physiology, the nervous system, right? Ayurvedic health. My daughter the other day commented on her, this conversation is negatively affecting my nervous system. So I'm going to go to bed, mama. Wow. We'll have it again tomorrow. I was like, wow. I guess I talk about the nervous system quite a quite a bit. But oh, wow. all this time too, these decades of um growing in as an adult, I was in deep, deep work, analysis and therapy, um, to really heal what had gone on, unpack that and heal it and figure out how to really adult, which is what you have to do when when you parent, when you parent in a self-aware and humble way. And so I had a lot, a lot to learn. When I became a parent, um, I realized I had even more to learn, right? It just went even deeper because there's a shift. Um, So I continued in in my self-work in that way. I became a single parent. um, And during my daughter's toddler years, actually, she decided... She was potty trained and then decided she wanted to go back to diapers. What felt like very suddenly to me, um, this is when I found my own excellent parent coach who helped me to humbly realize so many things that I had yet to um, unpack and have a look at, right? That I was passing down to her uh, unconsciously and I didn't want to be. Even after my decades of self-work, there, again, was more to do and a a different lens to look at it through. I was always wanting my girl to be happy, right, and safe and happy. And frankly, my daughter was pretty pissed off about this. She just didn't, she she didn't buy it. She thought it was, she didn't like it. And I don't blame her, right, because it's not really real. It's like you're telling me what I need to be feeling your, yeah, it's, I could, I could see that. I just always wanted it to work out. Right. Yeah. So I had a, a quick solution. I think a lot of parents do to any sort of distress, right? Yeah. Well, I see you're distressed and let's do this and this will make it better. Right. Mm-hmm. So my parent coach at that time, well, she's still my parent coach to this day, helped me to really see this, you know, why, why was I doing this? What did it have to do with my own childhood? Because we do flashback right to that time and how we were parented whether we want to or not so if we do want to do it the same that's one thing if we want to do it differently we have to be aware of that as well so through lots of mistakes and hard work I really brought a self-awareness into my parenting that um I still work on every single day you know getting comfortable in the uncomfortable that's a really big one um, admitting my own inherited judgment from the way I was raised and my biological family and how I was, I adored my daughter more than anything, anyone in the world. And yet I was judging 
right? So admitting that, that's, that's a tough one. Until I found ways to allow her to be who she was and get the heck out of her way, right? And out of my own way, because that was all just resistance and everything's energy anyway. And so I was trying to choreograph, I'm very good at that. And it wasn't serving her, nor was it serving me. In any case, all of my career and life choices have been this ongoing um, study, if you will, and training in social and emotional intelligence. And as that term became more well-known, I took postgraduate courses in it and official trainings in it, passage works, girls leadership, etc. I'm a huge believer in its significance because it really helps us remember how important it is to raise our kids holistically and that we're also whole, right? Our well-being and consciousness plays a great part in our kids. So today, Christina, I oversee young teachers because I like to stay in education and support in that way. Um, I still work as an educator myself with moms and daughters, little side passion project of mine. But most of my time is now spent supporting parents as a professional parent coach. Um, And as such, I really work with those who are invested in their growth, both as a human and as a parent. So I work with parents all over the world to bring more consciousness into their parenting, more authenticity into their ever-evolving families and balance into their lives. And I help them take a look at themselves in order to model what they want to teach and parent from those values, right? And whether that's, again, creating an entirely new way or um, slightly different from the way that they were raised. Thank you so much for that background. It really struck me and I just, I'm so happy that you share that with the audience and something that, which I got full buddy chills, by the way. (laughs) I, I think I shared this with you when we last spoke, but I had long been in some sort of, some form of therapy or, you know, self-development pre-kids. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until, it was probably after my son, my younger one, who's now four, it was, no, maybe it was, it was after he was born, I embarked on a real journey and I started really challenging a lot of choices that I had made, a lot of ways, a lot of lifestyle choices that I had been living And I started undoing a lot of conditioning and it's been, it's still, it's still a process. And I joke with people that, um, you know, I could gladly have stayed on Lexapro and drank the alcohol in life, like worked in tech and, you know, stayed in the corporate realm. And that would have been fine. It would have, it was a beautiful life while it lasted and it, it could have continued to be great, but somehow with my little kids, I knew that if, because I want them to, I want them to remain as authentic and raw as possible, like resisting the conditioning for as long as they can, because it's some, in this world, it's inevitable. It's just degrees of conditioning that, that we assume. And I realized that if I want that for them, I have to do that. I have to be that. And in the same mastermind, and I'm going to link the mastermind in the show notes so that people can go in and just absorb the brilliance and just, just everything that you've shared. But something that like really just um, hit something with me internally is you, you give the you give the example of 
uh, several examples of families or just, just archetypical situations, scenarios in which a child exhibits like deep emotions and the ways in which a parent may respond or react. And, and you also said, if you do, if we, this is how we react, these are the risks that we take. And you included the child may grow up not trusting themselves. Um, they think love is unconditional. Their, you know, their social dynamics might be off. And when I read this, I have to say, I felt validation because sometimes I think, am I just like making my life a lot harder by like, you know, taking not the easy route and not, you know, just, I wasn't, you know, negatively self-medicating, but I just, I, I've been doing, my children have been this in, intense catalyst for me to take a look at myself, take a look at the defaults within, with which I entered into parenthood and question what I wanted to continue with and question what I wanted to shed. And it's an ongoing process because we're constantly, to do that, you have to constantly reflect and be self-aware and understand, like, you know, take a beat, think about, am I being triggered by the behavior? Can I lean into this with compassion and think about the meltdown that my daughter is currently giving me? I love when you share that because it gave me like, I felt like a pat on the back because I was like, okay, I'm not, not nuts. I'm not just like using them as an excuse to do the work on myself. Cause I really, I believe firmly that this is like, I want them to see my flaws. I want them to see my processes. And what I, what I almost glean from, from what you've shared is like, when we release and we show up authentically, it's almost like we're giving them permission to do exactly that. Right. Exactly. Because all we need to teach, all we really need to teach at the end of the day is our children, teach our children how to listen to and trust themselves. Yeah. Boy, that's a big job. It's crazy. Because because all we can do is model it. We are the role models. How well do you do that, parents? Right? I mean, it's a lifelong process and practice. Yeah. It's intense because I'm so grateful that that we are in this day and age and in this sort of period of parenting or culture of parenting where this has become there's an awareness around this because it's certainly very different than I think many of us were raised. I, I love my parents. I, we have a great relationship. They did a great job, but I'm doing a very different job because I want different. I I mean, I started, I started to really get my, get to know myself in my (laughs) forties. I don't want my kids to go. I don't want them to wait that long. Right. You know? Yes. And it's empowering because it's almost like, when we remove all the, and I don't want to call it bullshit because the conditioning is there for a reason. It's the ego does its job for a reason. It's our parents teach us things for a reason. And just recognizing and acknowledging your work is all about starting with the values and you work with different families. And like you, I imagine you go into each scenario thinking about what are your true values and maybe not the values that you were told are important that you have to like pass on to the child, to your children or have in your home. But truly like, what is that process like when you, you're with a new client with a new family and how do you get, you know, there's like the why, the five whys, like, peeling back layers of the onion to really get to like what matters. What's that process where you kind of like remove a lot of the facade or the veneer and get to like, 
what their real values are. Because I imagine there are scenarios in which they'll say what their values are, but the values are actually really different. Do you mm. run into that? Hmm. Um, <clears throat> I think that we have a look at that again and again and again in our work together. So when families work with me, they, they step into a three month container and we're working together for three months. And in, in that time, we're constantly looking at how their values can inform their decision-making, their responses, um, and if they're aligned or not, right? Alignment is key. But we start, I mean, when, when a family decides, yeah, we want to do this work, let's go, right? Then I'm with them and I'm committed to them and they're committed to the process for three months. And the very first thing that happens before our first session, official session, is um, they get a really lengthy intake questionnaire. And they're supposed to sit either separately or together and both answer all of the questions. And really, they're just all helping. All of the questions are designed to help them um, understand better and hone in on their values. So that's where we begin. Um, and then I think it's my one of my jobs as their coach in the following three months is to keep bringing them back there, right? Keep bringing them back there. Well, I tried this and then this happened and it didn't work and I reacted that way. Okay. And what do you, what do you want? What's step back? What's the, what's the bigger learning here that you want to pass on? Because every interaction is an opportunity to teach one of those, to reinforce a value so much so that your kiddos when they ask you, well, why, if you set a boundary, you know, it should come to you like that because you're so clear how your value and your decision-making are tied together. So much so, I'll say that again, that your kids, you know, my daughter, I remember it was second grade, she started with a why and then said, oh, forget it, I know. And she listed my value. I can't remember what it was, but I thought, wow, boom, check, she's got it. Right. Because the clarity was there. She told herself in this house, we value this. And she went off pouting and then was over it in five minutes. Right. So that's where we want to get with that clarity so that we are aligned. What we say, what we do. Not every time I blow up. I mess up every day in my parenting. We all do. Yeah. Who doesn't? Yeah. But like you say, it's in the repair, whether it's demonstrating misalignment or like snapping. I snap. I've gotten better about it, but the repair. And when I learned about that and you talked about the magic and repair, God, is that empowering and comforting because we're not perfect. And that's not what our children need. If you're demonstrating perfect, I would imagine as a child, it could be so harmful because then you're thinking this is, this is success, or this is what I'm supposed to be. This is what I need to strive to be. But when you see a parent or parents go through something, whether it's an argument or disagreement or a parent snapping, it's how you address that. And I think I mentioned to you, I uh, when my husband and I have a disagreement, we, we're very civil about it, but I don't like I talk to my kids about if they if they dem- if they see like oh there's tension and like you know we, we, we again we talk about it diplomatically mm-hmm. um we're not we're very far from perfect and we're in a very tough season of parenting with you know, our kids being 4 and 5 but um 
I want them to be aware. Like, I don't want them to think that I don't want them to hear voices behind closed doors and not know. Like, I want them to see that we are both, our wish is for positive or constructive resolution. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. That's between two parents, but certainly with me, because I am primarily a mother, it's, um, that's my main job before my coaching work is apologizing, like apologizing and explaining and letting them know, like, I think my, my, my daughter, my five-year-old daughter last week pointed out when mommy yelled at me and we had, we had already talked about it, but she broached it again the next day. And I let her know, like, Kira, I want you to know every time, every time I yell, even if you did something and I asked you not to do something and maybe we had a, we had a disagreement. If I yell, that's not because of you. It's not because of you. If you did something and I didn't, you know, I asked you not to, or, you know, we had a disagreement, we talk about it. But if I yell, that's because I'm going through something and I'm having big feelings because the burden that a child can assume. And I, I've, I've read that, like, I think, I feel like I've talked about him on like past three podcasts, but Gabar Mate talks about how babies, like infants, if they see mom in a bad mood, going through something, experiencing sadness, the baby just thinks it's because of them. I don't know how, I think it lasts like into like pre-toddler years, but I mean, can you, that burden, yeah. the burden of a child just assuming that anything bad that's happening is because of them. I mean, it makes, it breaks my heart. And so I, I, I try to, I hope I don't over articulate or over bring it up, but when I bring it up with my kids, I want them to know that it's like, they're not the only ones with big feelings. We have them right? too. Yes. They need to know that. Like I was, um, mistakenly doing when my little one was, um, having hard, time and big feelings, as I alluded to earlier, as a toddler, I was so quickly rushing her back to the good feelings because uh, of my unconscious, um, you know, jogging back to when I was her age and um, felt so alone in it and I, and I, Mm -hmm. and stuck in those not good feelings. So I was rushing her back, but really what our kids need is to for us as parents to allow them to have the uncomfortable feelings and to sit right next to them in it, right? And hold their hand. So that the messaging is, this is normal. It's part of life, right? I have them too, as you say. So there's a lot of apologizing that happens um, in my home too. And hopefully in... uh, self-reflective parenting all over the world. It's an, it's a key component because otherwise our kiddos don't know, they don't have an example of what to do when um, they make a mistake or they need to own their part, right? Even setting boundaries, like you said, having conflict in front of them where you can say, I think we're disagreeing here, honey, to a partner if you have one. Um, feeling a little agitated. Let's come back to this when I'm calmer. Like that's a boundary, right? And so kiddos are just watching. They, they watch even when they're not looking, they are paying Mm -hmm. such close attention. And so it, the onus is on us to behave in a way, um, that we want them to grow up knowing is healthy. It's wild. The stuff that my daughter brings up that I didn't even know she noticed or remembered or saw 
I mean, my, my son is less uh, vocal in that respect, but I know he's observing just as much. And so she's a good reminder that he's just as present and available for the stuff that's happening around him. But, you know, so we, we were talking about sorries last week, and I've been thinking so much about that yeah. because while we are parents who apologize to our children, I think the flip side is like, as moms to daughters who don't want to raise the like uber apologizer, it's such a tricky balance. And I was telling a friend about our conversation about like, let's swap the sorry with excuse me. And that was such a great lesson that I picked up in our conversation just last week because I'm like, oh honey, yeah, like I I told you Kira's Kira's in a major sorry, 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 sorry phase. I'm like, honey, like I, I just expressed to her the importance of the word sorry and the meaning that it holds when you say it once and you really mean it and then you move on. That's probably a whole different conversation because it's like the girl, you know, girls and, you know, women, like I'm a recovering apologizer. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting for them, you know, the, the importance of them seeing like the correct apology, not honestly, the, the, the apology, the way it's meant to be used versus like flooding a situation with apologies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even the ability to accept an apology, right? Yeah. When someone apologizes to you for your girl to learn to say thank you and yeah. receive it. Yes. And receive it. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. so true. I'm curious. Um, this is jumping a little bit, but because you've lived abroad in numerous countries, I'm curious if experiencing society and communities and families in other countries has kind of formed your philosophy when it comes to parenting. I don't know if you have clients primarily in the U.S. or if you work with people outside of the U.S., but just because there are such significant cultural nuances, you know, across the continent to continent, country to country, is there anything that you, that, that you picked up or witnessed or learned abroad that you pull into your practice or your, your own parenting approach? Mm. that's an interesting question and no pressure if it's like not off the top of your head I'm just curious if there's anything I think in general um yeah I mean cultures are all cultures are so different in how um their you know their their relational tendencies and habits look I think that what I gleaned and sort of um like much like you said earlier was relieved to see and 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 um it was reassuring to see all around the world was that I wasn't crazy that actually um you know acceptance forgiveness warmth um, closeness can look so many different ways, but that it was supposed to be a part of, supposed to be a part of family, right? And I, I coming out of my childhood, I, w- I was just so confused because I didn't, um, I knew I was loved, right? But I didn't feel that. And so I think it just reinforced for me my, commitment to figuring out um, the all the ways that could look 
not all, I don't, I haven't figured out all, but to be um, aware of all the different, there are so many different kinds of ways it can look and also um, how to prioritize that. That to me is what family represents. Like connection is number one. Um, I figured out my own values basically from being this observer, this highly sensitive, keen observer all over the world. Oh, I want a home. It was sort of like a pre-design before having my own children. Um, I want a home where everyone feels really safe and they don't need to brush their hair before coming into the family room or else they'll get teased. They can just be they can be, that person can be their person. This person can be a little goofy in their own way. Everyone, there doesn't need to be a filter. There doesn't need to be a, um, anything that's performative because everything is accepted. You just get to be who you are. And what matters is spending time together, not the things that are exchanged or, um, these such things, but it's really about experience. It's about connection. And so this I took to heart and it heartened me forward to study education deeply, to work with children, to work with families, to work with parents the way that I do. It's really interesting because I, I was raised in an immigrant household. So my, my parents came from their Russian Russian uh, born in South America or born and raised in South America. It's complicated. But um, when I, and I grew up in San Francisco and so I had this interesting juxtaposition of like assimilating outside of the home, but inside the home, very Russian, like very Russian American, like only spoke Russian until I started kindergarten. I went to an American kindergarten, not knowing English, but it was interesting. It's because, um, and this is a total aside, but, um, my best friend was, you know, her family had been here for generations and generations, but I remember bonding quite a bit with, um, Chinese American kids because it was a lot of, it was cultural parallels. Like they had Chinese school on Tuesdays and Thursdays and Saturdays and I had Russian school. Um, but also like we, um, we kind of live tribally. Like my culture is very like, you know, there's, there's grandparents and grandparents and like we often live together. And, um, but, but honestly, like, it's funny as I think about, and we don't have that today. I mean, like we are, my nuclear family is four people, like two children, two, two parents. Um, and, um, so I'm actually, I haven't really thought about that, but just having asked the question, having asked you the question, I'm wondering like how much was like the, the generational sort of like reinforced or compounded values that were passed on and kind of that conditioning that I just like, you know, had, had so firmly like within me, I wonder how much that may have influenced that because it's like, it's not just your parents telling you this is how it's done, but you've got like a layer of grandparents and like, I knew my great grandparents, um, but certain things were just like very ingrained on a, I don't want to say deeper level, but I just, I wonder if that played a role. Um, but that was also very specific because they had a very specific journey getting here to America and, um, and the things that came away with, like, I thought that I was the only person who had ever been told 
education is the only thing that no one can ever take away from you. And then like I was reading, it was actually, she's, she's also a coach. I don't know her personally, but I was reading about her and her, her family, she comes from an immigrant family as well, but that was like, that was taught to her. I'm like, Oh, okay. Not special, (laughs) not special, but I get it. And then I wonder, like, I've always thought of it as a virtue, Mm. but that doesn't necessarily like, and I, 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 I love my educational background and I, I've loved, I loved school, but then it made me wonder, like, I just always took that for granted. But then it's like, I don't like to maybe ascend to the next level of like my own, you know, uh, just my own development. It maybe, it maybe it's not a degree program, you know, so it's, that's a total aside, but I was just, just curious how like different cultural plays. It's at the end of the day, it's like, I think one thing that we could probably glean from other cultures is that connection because America is one of the, I mean, it's, it's a, it's unique in that we don't have that really like established sense of community, like the blue zones that Dan Bittner talks about. It's like these people live it, it just completely embedded in community. It's like you've got, it's like the, the mothers, like in a lot of Latin American countries, like the mother's supported when she has the children. It's like their you know, aunties and grandmas. And, and so you have that. And I mean, I think, I, th- I don't think that maybe there's, there's crossover or overlap, but I actually think that's very different than like coming to, approaching your parenting role with a focus on connection and authenticity. Cause like you do that, whatever the format is, whatever the format looks like, whether it's like a new, just a simple nuclear family, like a single parent, like a massive, you know, multi-generational home, maybe in a generational, generational, multi-generational home, it's harder to shed some of those old paradigms or harder to shake them upside down. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've heard from clients that it is. Yeah. Yeah. And yet I envy that whole idea of having, you know, another generation living under my roof. What a dream to me that would be. Same. And yet I've worked a lot of my past decade and being a parent on, you know, breaking generational trauma and, and actually, you know, er, taking a pivot for my entire legacy, right? And yeah. changing the way. So all that to say it, it looks different in every family. It looks different in every culture. It looks different in every home. However, what I took from it was the possibility of um, authenticity and comfort and safety in a family. Yeah. And acceptance, right? Yeah. And that just takes back to the self-awareness piece. So much humility on parents' part. So much... Um, self-reflection, right? What am I bringing to this conversation? Oh, I have things I haven't even noticed way back there in my brain that I'm bringing and putting on my child in this conversation. That's not fair, right? They're all, they each come to this planet to, to, to be on their own path, to have their own journey, and it's really our job to get out of the way. Yes. All of our stories and all of our programming, as you say, and all of our stuff, and let them lead yeah. and follow. Of course, we're guiding, we're setting up the guardrails, we're leading in ways that they don't know how yet, but but really having a curious mindset, a supportive, curious, how can I get to know you when you're becoming? Yeah. And stand here and cheer you on and support you, right? Yeah. Getting the heck out of their way, as I always say, and prioritizing the connection, letting them lead. That's I'm a talk- total flip. 
completely different. You talk about asking them questions. Like someone told me several years ago, she said, your children, and I think I may have shared this, this with you already, but she said, your children will be your greatest teachers. And boy, are they. I mean, they're, they're, they're seriously what had to happen to me. And I'm not saying everybody should have a parent, should be a parent, have children, but they're the catalyst that I needed in my life to start to become the version of myself that I want to be. That was, that was it. I mean, I, I think it could be, you know, certainly other like major shocks in, 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 in life, um, shocks to the system. But, um, someone told me that and literally to this day, they are my greatest teachers on so many levels. And it's funny because before, before having my kids, it's like, I didn't realize just how wise they are. And I just see how tuned in, how, uh, how strong their instincts are and how spot on their instincts are. I mean, it is, it is crazy. Or I was having a conversation yesterday with someone about releasing like this major control aspect within my character and like having to, to be in control and be, you know, and, and as a result, be under control because I'm not like yeah. letting yeah. loose. And I, I said to him, like, you know what, if I know I'm like stressing about the laundry that needs to be folded or the schedule or whatever, whatever, whatever is giving me that sense of overwhelm. Mm-hmm. I stop and I grab, like, I, I like cuddle with my kid or like I smell my son or like I tickle him and I get, I, I enter their world and it instantly brings me present. It, it like instantly, it's like, it snaps me right out of this, like very, it's, it's almost like a, I don't want to say prison, but it's like, I am. Yeah. It's like, okay, snap me out of this. And all I need to do is just like engage with them energetically and like engage in the play. And like, and it doesn't take much. It takes like a minute, 30 seconds, just to like cuddle and smell and hug and just like, you know, it it, it just such a good reminder of like, what the fuck this is all about, which is being here, being in the moment, connection and love. And it's not about the dishes or the laundry stuff that isn't important and stuff that will get done when it gets done. And that is probably the most profound way that they have taught me. It just by bringing me back into my body Mm. and being present. Well, these little wise little ones, they, they're gurus. I call them. They live in the present. Yeah. So if you want to come back to yourself, come back to the here and now, yeah. Tune into them Yeah. and, or also practice on your own, you know, feeling your feet on the ground, just those five senses, senses. What do I see? What do I hear? What do I smell? Right. And again, these practices are 30 seconds at best, but doing them together is even a beautiful way to bring this value and this idea, not the idea, to, to bring your whole family um, more high quality presence, you know, take a spin around the block, it can be five minutes and just everyone lists something from their senses, all come back together, right? And that practice of racing through the day and pausing, the practice of the pause to notice what am I feeling right now? Oh, I'm thirsty. I didn't even slow down enough to notice. I'm thirsty. I'm going to have a glass of water. And even saying that out loud in front of your little ones, you know, and they might think it's funny at first. Mom's talking to herself or she's saying what's happening in her brain out loud. 
this kind of modeling is really powerful. So it goes both ways. Yes, they are our teachers, our number one teachers, our gurus, so, so wise. And um, it's also our job to practice on our own too, right? Because if we practice in the calm moments where we're not completely dysregulated, um, coming back into the present, coming back into the present again and again, then when we are dysregulated, our, we'll have sort of trained that neuropathway and we can find our way back more easily, more quickly, right? I was just going to mention that because th- that um, I learned from your mastermind these amazing mindfulness and presence exercises that we can employ when we're not triggered, when we're not in a moment of conflict or frustration. And, and, and I urge the audience to listen to this mastermind and just go through it because like Jen goes into so much detail, but that was, that was profound for me. And you gave, you gave a long list of examples of how we can do that, how we can tune into our bodies and instantly in just a matter of a minute or less or more, if we choose to really build and reinforce those neural pathways that equip us to handle the meltdowns in a different way. And, and so I, that was a gift to me. That was new information to me. And so now it's like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to like, I might even like create like a reminder in my calendar, Jen, seriously, like assuming I'm not triggered or in the middle of some situation with my children to stand and stand and focus on my two feet, like maybe on earth, like versus like my carpeted floor or whatever, or like take that, you know, like the physiological sigh and just just get into my body and just remind myself of like the power that we, that I have anatomically and physiologically to support myself when things do get a little harder. And, you know, there's a fight or there's a meltdown, there's a flopping situation. That was, that was so helpful. Uh, so thank you for sharing that with everyone um, on who lives in the mastermind and who hopefully will now, that was just such like a potent to do a reminder yeah. of what we have available. Right. Even um, the two most important, putting your hand on your heart, right? When you feel, feel yourself starting to speed up and, and, and trig- be triggered, right? Just coming back to that self-compassion. Wow. Yeah. I'm having a big feeling right now, right? Yeah. Can, can allow a pause or even just access to it, a second pause. And the feeling your two feet on the ground doesn't have to be take off your shoes and find uncarpeted. It can be while you're brushing your teeth mm. in the grocery store line, washing dishes, any, any, and that's a 10 second, just feeling your two feet on the floor will bring you to the here and now, then feeling the water while you're washing dishes over your hands, right? This continuous practice will allow you to be more present with your children. And that being said, we're talking about really deep stuff, right? And um, it it could, some listeners feel really like hard work. However, one of the most fun ways to practice coming into the present moment is to practice lightness, right? So we do a lot of pranks in my house where we prank each other or, you know, you do the tickle and the sniff and um, there's all kinds of ways, something that'll just crack you up or cranking a song, you know, and having a dance. Um, Oh yeah. We don't wait for April fool's day around here. You know, it's like put a little furry dog toy way up in my daughter's shoe so that she screams and thinks it was a mouse. And then she's doing something to me and, Right. It just brings a little lightness to all of all of this, because that, too, just brings the lightness 
Lightness brings you right into the here and now. Oh my gosh, we got each other, even yeah. if it's just for 20 seconds, right? It's so funny that you say that. For some reason, my my children got me, maybe this makes me a shitty mom. They 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 got me uh, imitating each of them having a meltdown. And, and I did it in a really funny <laughs> way because my son kind of like puffs his chest and like twirl, he has long hair and he'll twirl his hair and like... It's, it's, I mean, it's funny. And he, he's like, mama, you'll be Benji. I be mama. So I'll do a meltdown. I'll do his meltdown. And he does like, he actually, he made something up. Cause I, um, it's not me or maybe they, maybe from the past or but I'm like, okay, that's cool. You do mama, do your best mama. And they think it's so funny. So we, I mean, maybe it's, we, we kind of, we poke fun, healthy, cute, fun. And they love to tease daddy too, which it's always fun to tease daddy. But, um, so we do that. And I also like, I, I, in a way I like that they can take it. They, they introduced it. Like I will never like, mm. I was, it was uncomfortable for me. And I finally, I was like, Hey honey, I don't want to, I don't want to just m- 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 mock you guys anymore. <laughs> like I'll do it once and then let's move on. But it, it, it actually like gives me <laughs> some peace that they like want that because they can like have fun with themselves. But anyway, like that's maybe like one dysfunctional way that we have levity, but they think it's hilarious you know, because it's like, it's, it's exaggerated, certainly on my, on my part. Well, and as long as everyone thinks it's funny and you can check in and you'll know when your daughter gets to an age where she might be feeling a little different about it, you'll, you'll be so attuned. You're going to know, oh, is this, I want to make sure this is still fun for everyone. You'll do a check-in. Yeah. It's not really good. We're done with that. Let's do acting in another way. Have you guys heard of charades? You know what I mean? You'll, you'll pivot at that time. But I I do think that. I want to move yeah. on from this. <laughs> like, I don't, in the home, I mean, not in the conversation. <laughs> like, I don't want to make, no, but, make fun of you guys anymore. You know what? I, I There's something to it, Christina, because when I work with parents of toddlers, most especially, I often teach them to do what's called mirroring. Mm. So your toddler's having a big feeling and they don't have so many words and they don't really want your words So one of the easiest ways, easiest and uh, most um, impactful ways to let them feel seen and heard is to actually mirror what they're doing. So say your little one goes, you go right back at them. You get down on their eye level and then they'll be like, what's happening? And then they'll go stomp their foot and then you stomp their foot, your foot. And then they scream and then you scream. And then one or two more, and they're going to be like, okay, I'm done. Let's go play mommy. Grab your hand and off they go. Wow. This works. Because you're saying, I, I'm with you. I Talk about being present. I am totally yeah. with you. I, yeah. And then, ah, and then, okay, I'm done. Let's go play. Right? It's that mirroring that is so powerful. So in a way, age appropriately, they're playing with that. They yeah. like seeing you notice them and yeah. what it looks like for them, what it might look like it feels like for them when they're having big feelings. So it's okay. That makes me feel better. Makes me feel less yeah. shitty. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, yeah. It's, it, and you know, actually another thing that you just made me think of is um, literally getting down, getting into their space, oh. into the, on their level. I, I think I actually picked this up from a parenting course. I can't remember what it's called. I think it's, um, ugh. I can't remember, but it was literally about being physically on their level 
oh. when they're getting into when they're going through something. And I I did this just yesterday. One of them was having a hard time, and I sat on the floor. I was my daughter. I sat on the floor with her because I I, I think that the visual that um, this course gave was like imagine like mm-hmm. this taller person looking down on you, maybe speaking sternly, whatever what's going on. I'm like that is really fucking scary. I get it. Like it's, and actually there was a focus, there was a, like a focus group in this particular lesson where like it was just all adults and one adult was kneeling and the other was standing. It's like, that is like a scary giant. Um, and so I think that has helped me. It's helped me feel connection. I mean, literally just getting down and, you know, being like at the same, being the same height as them and, you know, face to face and like the hugging and, um, and I, I feel the relief and comfort that it gives them. Yes. Yes. I work with young teachers on this. I mean, you know, you can't be walking around the room unless you're then sitting down next to their desk and you're getting yeah. down at the level when you're connecting, then stand up and walk to the next one. Yeah. It's super important. And at home, at home too. Right. And we, we forget these simple little things that we can do to, um, acknowledge how sensory our kids are. I mean, they come into this world all sensory, right? And then that slowly, hopefully slowly, um, diminishes as they become more and more um, outwardly interacting in the world developmentally. But they're still young and they're still very, very sensory. So we have to be aware and get down on their level and watch the the volume of our voice and the tone of our voice, right? And if they say they're scared, they're not making it up. They really are. So yeah. then we have to check. And that hand and the heart thing can also just bring us back, wow, oh, right, to yourself. Because yeah. we can't really be fully compassionate with our children if and until we're compassionate with ourselves, right? Yeah. So this is just a quick reset. Yeah, it's real. It's really powerful, and it doesn't take much. We have what we what we need to go through some of these movement movements and practices to just reconnect and equip ourselves with what we could pull from when there's a, t- a tough moment. There, I did get an um an, a question from someone, knowing that this con- conversation was coming up, and um, so the amount of reparenting that I've done <laughs> to myself is profound. And you, you do, you talk about this and I don't, I don't know if I've seen reparenting, but it's like you, I, I don't remember the exact phrase, but you basically, you say exactly that. Like we're going through this process alongside our children. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think that's, that's something I never would have expected prior to having these, these kids. And so someone asked like, do you like, I don't know if there's a simple question to answer to this, but do people have to do their own therapy or work before embarking on like parenting coaching work or can oh, they dive in to do coaching work? 
Well, no, I'm sorry, with you. So like to be be a client, it's like, because it, like oh. you and I, like you, you have, you had gone through like your own process and like I, you know, I've, I have my own journey and, but not everyone's done the talk therapy. Not everyone has to, but I mean, do, does someone have to kind of like be more in tune with themselves or can they sort of like get, go into the process, like where they are, maybe not having done the independent reflection or talk therapy or whatever the modality is. Hmm. You recommend that? That's a beautiful question. And I think one that a lot of parents have, and some are scared to ask. Mm. Um, no, it is, there is no requirement, yeah. uh, you know, to do, to step into a container and have real support mm. in how to bring more consciousness to your parenting. All you need is to be a parent, right, of a young one. I work with parents, kids age three to 11, um, to be a parent and to have an openness to looking at yourself, right? Yeah. To being um, self-reflective, an openness and a willingness to bring more awareness, to take that arrow and look inward more than maybe you ever had. That's it. That's those are the requirements. Yeah, and I'm really clear about that with people because otherwise it, there's no, there's no point in working yeah. together. Yeah. If you've had some therapy or done some self work, great. You know, it'll only be a boon to your family. However, it is not a prerequisite. Yeah, whatsoever. I imagine and funny a couple of families. Um, actually, a mom I just closed with them. Uh, they're three months, and. Um, she, from our time together, decided to start therapy, right? And so they were considering doing another three months in a row. And she said, you know what? I've, what I've realized is I want to do some personal therapy. And I think mm -hmm. we'll come back in the spring and do another three months. It'll be even more interesting. I said, great. So sometimes that has actually happened a couple of times when I've closed out with the family, our three-month time, um, one of the parents has decided to continue the work more personally. But mm -hmm. it is not a prerequisite. No way. Anyone can do this. Yeah. Anyone can do this. Like you've said a number of times, it's it's really a bunch of little practices. But you have to have the openness and willingness to, yeah. to try that. Yeah. And I say, don't ever believe what I say or what anyone says, right? There's so many methods and theories and pedagogy and um, you have to try it. Try it. Yeah. See what works for you. Try it. See what's different between you and your child. Mm -hmm. Try it with your other child. And that's what's great about working together with a coach because then you come back and you report, well, this worked and this didn't. And let's talk about this, right? Well, I think that's what's beautiful about coaching work because your work is different than my work. But I tell people, like, it's not me. It's my clients doing the work. I'm there to support, to guide uh, as they need. But it's really like time and time again, it is like the magic is coming from them. And that's my wish. That's my desire is to help incite just people, my clients realizing the the immense knowledge and wisdom they hold. And sometimes it's just literally saying something that maybe has been in your head, but saying it to another person, it, it just, it feels completely different. And all of a sudden it triggers something, it, it, it just it triggers in a good way, something in your heart and your soul and your mind. 
and then you and then you start acting on that on on a particular opportunity or whatever and y- your work is is because you have so much institutional knowledge and training and education around this so you're act- actually also giving people tools um that are i think go deeper because it's like you're training someone to help someone else but really it's like it's helping people find that empowerment and like really the inherent wisdom and connection that they have which is so beautiful you're just you're supporting their journey. And and that was exactly, that was going to be my question was around like, I, I just, I imagine like so many people come out of the experience and working with you thinking like, oh my God, I've just started, I've just scratched the surface on my own stuff. And yeah. I mean, I mean, that's been my own personal revelation as a parent is, wow, I can go deeper and wow, like let's, let's peel this away and let's like undo this and, you know, let's dig deeper there. And I just, I think, I think it's incredibly powerful and so beautiful yeah. Yeah. They, thanks. I do too. I do too. And it is often the beginning yeah. for many families, you know, back to what I mentioned earlier about trust and teaching our kiddos to really listen to and trust themselves to your point. Coaching is about a reset so that as parents and adults, human beings, you are, tuning in to what you do already really know being able to hear it again because we've been conditioned as you say and we're moving so fast right as grown-ups in today's world how do we slow down quiet enough to tune in to our knowing to our instincts to our gut and trust that because again, our kids can't do it unless they see us doing it. Yeah. So that's my job is to help guide people really back to themselves, if you will. Right? A hundred percent. And then again and again. Yeah. It's really, it's really something <laughs> and an honor to witness. But as you say, it is their work. I mirror back. I reflect back. I wonder out loud. I ask hard questions. Um, I remind them of their values, right? And try to help um, guide them toward alignment, more alignment so that they're with themselves and they're with their children in a really authentic way. It's you're this incredible catalyst for reconnection with ourselves and how we can then be present for our children in the most authentic way. And that's, it's so powerful. Um, I just, I'm so inspired, Jen. I'm so grateful to have had this conversation, to be able to share it. I, if, if you don't mind, I'd love for you to share, like how, how can people get in touch with you? I mean, you, you work with families and, um, I know you're on the East coast. Um, do you do, do you work with clients virtually? Yeah. So I'm actually in Colorado. Oh God. Oh my God. I don't know why I thought it out. There That's okay. Yeah. I knew you, you knew you just we have Boulder all over like your website. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. so virtual. I, yeah, I do all of my work, uh, my coaching work online on zoom. And I think that it's pretty amazing. You know, yeah. COVID, it's something COVID gave us. Yeah. And at first, you know, some people weren't comfortable meeting on Zoom or even doing therapy on Zoom. But at this point, 2024, we're there. And, you know, the tears can come, the connection can come. It is on Zoom 
and it works. So yes, to answer your question, I work with families across America, uh, many in Canada and um, uh, a few outside of North America, but I'm available um, to meet one-on-one is usually the best way to be sure we're a good fit. And you can go to genwork.com to book a free consult. It's J-N-N, two N's, genwork.com. And then you go to um, connect and book a time with me and we'll see about working together. I would love to um, entertain any of your listeners. I think it's so their journey. It's so great to know that this kind of support's out there, especially just because, I mean, I've heard of parent coaches, but like you're the first person with whom like it just it's there's so much alignment just all the stuff that I think about on a daily basis um so thank you so much and I'll include a link to your website and your Instagram in the show notes as well but this and is the mastermind been, and how to manage big feelings yeah exactly that was I mean that was so profound it's like the yeah for listeners this is just like in this it's like just shy of an hour you're gonna get so many amazing like tactical takeaways things you can implement literally today it's, it's, it's worth the 56 minutes. Seriously. It's just a great session. Um, Jen is a joy. You're just like, this is like, the, you're the champion that I think a lot of families can really use. Cause you know, there's no manual, there's no manual to this shit. It's like, we're figuring it out. We're trying to connect with our best judgment. I'm still in the process of connecting with my intuition, but it's, uh, again, it's just very validating and like, um, comforting to know that this kind of support's out there, especially like where, philosophies and parenting styles are really in alignment so um so thank you um thank you so much such a pleasure you're such a light thanks oh my god you're so kind (laughs) 